0: Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts,
2: Chris, Alf and Simon.
3: Miami has the Dolphins.
1: And we're on, and we are one and zero. And I do have Chris, and I do have Simon here. And we're gonna get right into it. Our impressions of this game. Chris, you saw the game. What did you think of it? Well, did you know that Adam Gase is now thirteen and zero
2: with the Miami Dolphins when he scores twenty-five or more points in a game. Like that, they haven't lost a game when they score twenty-five. He's an offensive-minded coach, and uh, and this is what he's here for to to bring some good offense. He's also 11 and 5 at home now, and um, and Gaze and Tannehill together are now like 7 and 1 at home. They've scored 399 points in the 16 games they played at Hard Rock, and um, 210 of those with the the games that Tannehill played. It works out to about 28 points a game with Tannehill at quarterback. But it's it's pretty impressive, I think, watching the, watching them at home, seeing how they play, and seeing how different it is than when they are on the road. Um, I think obviously there's there's a lot of shenanigans with the lightning thing. And and I don't want to I don't want to belabor that because um, it is what it is. It happened. But I I just got the overall impression that I come away with is, is how impressive they are scoring points, you know, finding a way to win the win the game at home. They're a very strong home team and people just commonly discount that. I mean, the Dolphins headed in the game as the home underdog because they can't get away from narratives and actually look at some of the most obvious stuff like like what the team tends to do at home so i come away feeling pretty good
3: i'm with chris really the team i thought it was a generally a good performance it's hard to judge you know mentality and things because of the insane weather delays uh but i thought that when we went off for uh, the first time i thought we looked good we were driving the ball well we were moving the ball well the 98 yard drive looked good um you know i thought that as we Discussed and as we knew, and the fans were like, "Oh, I'm so scared of the fact that we're not." Doing-. You know, it was obvious they were holding a load of stuff back, and we started out in two back sets, and there was the kind of the fake inside handoff and and the, the kind of the lateral throw to to Kenyon. And overall, I thought they played really well. You know, I, it would be nice just to win one and win one where we're not kind of hanging on at the end and being a bit nervous down the stretch. But generally, I thought it was a very solid performance all round, and I'm sure we'll get to the reasons why in a minute.
1: My impressions of the game were pretty simple. I was impressed and I was impressed for one reason and one reason only. They had two turnovers and they gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown. And Drake evidently forgot how to put two feet down on that fourth down conversion on that little waggle play action waggle play. Those four things go in our favor instead of how they did go. And we might win that game like forty one to ten, if you think about mm-hmm. it. So if I had told you before the game they're gonna have two turnovers and they're gonna give off they're gonna give up a kickoff return for a touchdown. I think all three of us would have said, okay, we lost this game, right? Mm. So, you know, I I came away impressed, but wanting to see more and wanting to see them play a little cleaner, I would say.
2: If they want to prove something to us, I think they've got to go on the road and do it, because that's where Adam Gaze has had a tremendous amount of problems.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. And Simon is going to get into it right now with us with over 10 Hills Return. But before we do that, let me get a shout out to Uncle Al Sports Cafe and Sunrise. They're on the corner of Knob Hill. Go ahead and laugh, Simon.
3: I mean, uh, there's so many places I could go with that. And Sunrise
1: Boulevard.
2: So many places to put
1: your knob? Yes, exactly. It's a 10035 Sunset Strip. Go there every Thursday and Sunday for. To watch the NFL games, of course. Thursday, they will have $13 domestic buckets. That's five beers in a bucket. Or I like to call it uh, my snack. Or $18 import buckets. They will have t-shirt giveaways. And on Sundays, trust me, they will have plenty of specials. Try the conch fritters. They're they're pronounced conch, Simon.
3: Or the conch fritters. I mean, it's obviously pronounced conch. On the contrary. Yeah, exactly.
1: And the grouper bites. They're really, really really good. So, Simon, Tannehill's return.
3: Ten return. I thought it was. I thought it was solid. I mean, look. I, I made the point on, on the three hours per carry Twitter account this morning that you know we don't. This perspective is needed. You know we don't need him to be Aaron Rodgers, and there are very few Aaron Rodgers in history. You know this is. We will look back on the, the Aaron Rodgers Tom Brady era as uh, as generation defining. Really, when you look back at it, we don't need him to be elite. How many elite quarterbacks are there in the NFL anyway? Five, six, four. Mm. What you know? Mm. Th- there's not that many. What we need him to be is good enough, and he was more than good enough Yesterday, he, you know, I love when he came out on the field. I love the smile that, you know, before the first snap, he played with confidence. He didn't once look like he was favoring the knee. His pocket movement, especially just stepping up in the pocket, was considerably better than I've seen it before. The arm has always been strong, and it looked really good. He made a number of really good throws. I mean, look, if Aaron Rodgers makes that touchdown throw to Kenny Steals the long touchdown, everybody's saying it's one of the, you know, it's a stunning uh, Rodgers throw. Nothing against That's Aaron, Aaron Rodgers
2: Rogers being Aaron Rodgers, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, this was a 75 yard touchdown, of which the ball probably went 50 yards in the air. And it was, I mean, you could have dropped it if he'd stood above Kenny Steele's from three feet above his head and dropped it into his hands, he couldn't have got it any cleaner into his hand. You know, it was a phenomenal throw. He made a number of really good throws. It was a, a third down throw to out of the, a little flare out in the flat to Kenyon Drake, which he sort of had to side on between the gap. I mean, it's hard to describe it. You guys will know the play, but you know he sort of had to throw it under and sort of slightly to. Not an easy throw to make in a critical situation. The Kenny stills dropped two throws before the, before the long touchdown, and again that would have been a first down. It was a great throw. It went straight through Kenny's hands. I thought overall he looked really good with the two,
2: pressure two, in his two, face. I mean, that, was, pressure, that was the great. key on
3: that. Two, two um, two bad throws obviously the the really bad throw to Jasicki, which was just all kinds of awful um, you know you're looking looking to throw it outside so that even if you know butler does get position at least Jasicki can you know use his frame to and you made the point chris that you know the reason Jasicki fell over is because not because he's a, a moron but because it was just such a horrendous throw yeah. the other one uh, the other one looked to me like Jakeem Grant ran the wrong route, or there was certainly a miscommunication between the two of them. Adam Gay said today that Ryan thought he saw something and and he reacted and Jakeem didn't. And that, that those kind of things are going to come. I love the fact that Peter King wrote in his piece this morning for uh, NBC that, you know... Gaze gave everybody today off, victory Monday. Tannehill went around every single offensive player, starters and backups, and said, you know what? I wasn't happy with some of the aspects of the game yesterday. Can we please come in tomorrow morning, Monday morning, and just go through in our own groups and film study, and then we can have the, the half a day off and Tuesday off to come back, Wednesday morning. And I thought that was great. Every single offensive player said they were going to do it. So it was those little things. But generally, I thought he played really well.
1: I think his best throw was an incompletion. And at the time, everybody thought it was, it was a bad throw, and it wasn't. And it was in the second quarter. They go play action, and he throws what is about a 16-yard crossing route to Danny Amendola. I've seen that play three times. It hit him right in the hands. And that thing was an absolute cannon Mm. shot from about 22 yards away. If Amendola catches that and he breaks one tackle, can he score? I think he does. And we're talking about 300 yards passing and three touchdowns instead of what he ended up with, which was about 230 and two. So I think
2: my exact words to Simon on that play were Amendola needs to come down with that.
1: Yes.
3: Yeah, he did. Yeah.
1: It was it was just a a laser shot. I thought he looked good. I thought that uh that that second interception, you know, the first one, you know, I'm not gonna make any excuses for that. That was just awful. Although Adam Gay said today that it slipped out of his hand. Uh I guess that that's a pretty good excuse. But on the excuse
3: I feel it's like an excuse rather than a, I'm not sure it's fact but whatever yeah exactly yeah, it did feel like a little bit
1: yeah but on the Grant interception I saw cover three and that looked to me like it had to be a stick throw and Grant actually read it correctly and Tannehill saw something else mm-hmm. so you know I, I guess I had to really sit down and look at the all 22 to see who actually screwed that play up but yeah, I could do without the two interceptions. I really can because he's a guy who takes care of the of the football and that was completely uncharacteristic. Against a better team, it just come back to hurt us.
3: What it looked like is that it, it was almost like he decided to throw one throw which was the guy on the, the guy running I think it was Kenny Stills running down the sideline. Stills. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 then he sort of saw Jaqueem breaking open, and was almost caught between two minds, yeah. and just didn't really throw either either throw. When it, there is, a, there was a shot on the um, on the coverage yesterday where they showed it sort of from behind, high above, and behind, kind of what would be Tannehill's left shoulder, and you see the field open up much like you would on all twenty-two. And it does. It almost feels like he sort of thought, "I'm going to hit Kenny." Oljukin's oh, breaking open oh, in that split second where he just uh, and he doesn't really throw either pass. You know what I mean? It sort of flutters in between the two of them because he's sort of indecisive as to which guy he's going to go to. But
2: he might have thought knows. he might have thought the middle of the field was open, the deep
3: mm, middle yeah. was open, and and didn't just didn't
2: realize. It. And and Gaze would Gaze would totally cover for him in the press conference afterwards. I mean, when he talks about what went wrong and the miscommunication and stuff like that. Right, no. um, so I, I wouldn't expect to hear exact the exact truth uh, from Gase. Before we move on, I did want to weigh in on the Tannehill thing. Because um, okay. two numbers, uh, 633 and 79. 633 days since Ryan Tannehill had played a single down of meaningful, high-stakes football. That kind of layoff, I mean, we all like to dismiss it like it means nothing. and Because it's not convenient for us, we're trying to prognosticate and and predict these things and everybody's exactly as talented as we think they are and they're going to perform exactly how we think they are. We don't like to account for things like that kind of layoff, but who has a 633 day layoff from anything and comes back and looks exactly like who they are, which is what Tannehill did. You know, he came back and he had 79 is the is the other number. That's the percent that I saw. Uh, of him throwing accurate catchable balls on the day. He was 20 of 28, and you brought up uh, one of the plays to Danny Amendola that was right on the hands, should have been caught. Kenyon Drake on that fourth down uh, also should have been caught, should have had his feet in bounds. You know, you come back from a 633-day layoff and you go 20 of 28, a couple of those should have been completed. A couple of those uh, eight incompletions should have been completed on top of it. Yeah. I mean, that's a hell of an outing. Uh, you you got to hand it to him. To come off that sort of two-year layoff and and play like that, yeah, we can nitpick. Um, you know, there was a play where the the defense was completely discombobulated on the left-hand side. You could see it, but he didn't, and and he threw it underneath, short of the sticks to Albert Wilson, really to one of the only guys that was covered. Wilson happened to make a play on the on the ball or after the catch anyway and they got the first down but it was clearly a mistake there were some other mistakes like that and the other thing i took away from it really is that the interceptions we heard a lot about Tannehill uh being told to cut loose you know don't don't hesitate if you see it if you see something just go for it well we saw that and yeah it resulted in some interceptions but you got to not be always afraid of interceptions i think if you want to make plays and you want to score touchdowns and win games So maybe we'll see a few more interceptions than we're used to seeing with Ryan Tannehill this year. But as long as they come with, you know, victory Mondays, then I'm fine. Speaking of this subject, the offense, we're just talking about Tannehill and what we can expect. What about the offense as a whole? Like, what did we end up seeing from this offense that makes us think that they can be this good, you know, consistently on a game to game basis? I want to run first straight to you, Alf, and see what your thoughts are.
1: Well, we saw multiples. We saw 21 personnel. We saw spread offense with Gasecki out wide left and running three wide receivers and running them right down the seam, having the outside guys button button in. Uh, These are things that we haven't seen before. We saw Gore and Drake together. I don't remember the last time we saw two running backs in the same backfield in the Gase era. But I came away very, very impressed. And especially... about that that offensive line. You take away the two penalties, and mm. I'll talk about one of them. Uh, Josh Sitton, that was not holding when Tannehill ran for that first down. That was holding. Uh, a lot of NFL referees like to throw the flag when they see that the guy is still engaged. Josh Sinton completely disengaged as soon as Tannehill got outside of the block. That is textbook. That is not holding. They threw the flag anyway. Uh, Tunsell, what can we say? Two penalties? He has to clean those things up. But other than that, I liked the running game, and we had the big play again. And we're not even talking about special teams, which were you know, half and half because you know, you're not supposed to give up kickoff return for touchdowns. You're you just not. The big play was back, and we looked dangerous on offense. Uh, I, was, I came away very impressed.
3: Yeah, I think pretty much the same. I do think it was holding, actually, but that's uh, for another day. But generally I, thought we played, uh, generally, I thought we played well. And it's difficult when, you know, you have the breaks. But we did see, I mentioned it before, we did seem to be on a roll just before that first break. And it felt like we could move the ball up and down the field. You know, we had the 98-yard drive. Then we come back with the, the really nice drive that finally gets kiboshed because Kenyon steps out of bounds. But generally, it just felt like we could do pretty much whatever we wanted you know whether it be run the ball first of all with Kenyon, then with Gore, then you stick Kenyon and Gore. I mean, there was a point where both both of them went out wide um, as receivers. It, we we forget that then there was the play where Albert Wilson was under center and, and Tannehill was out wide. Um, you know, it looked like we were going to play some wildcat. It looked like we were potentially even going to throw out of it with Wilson. You know, mm-hmm. what was Ryan going to do? Was Ryan going to run a route or was he just going to stand there? You know, a la Chad Pennington back against the Texans when we threw the mm-hmm. touchdown to to. Um, uh Patrick, Patrick
2: Cops
3: Yeah. Um, you know, so I thought it was I thought it was really interesting. It was a disappointing that I suppose in a way that Wilson wasn't much involved in the second certainly in that sort of in that slightly elongated fourth quarter when we still, there were all sorts of points because I thought he played very well. Um it was interesting see, I mean AJ Derby lined up as much out wide as uh, as Jasicki did. Um I think it was a shame that Jasicki wasn't thrown. Too, uh, he
2: had twice as many uh, uh, snaps as
3: Gasicki. Yeah. yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I was going to say I'd be keen to see the snap count, but thanks for clearing that up. But I thought the offensive line played well. I thought they certainly passed protected really well. I was very impressed generally with Josh Sitton. I, for 94% of the time, I thought Laramie Tunsil played well. There's just a couple of times where you just think, come on, if you can just eradicate those couple of plays, yeah, I know, right. you, know, be, um, you really would be a really, really, really good left tackle if you could just switch the, the concentration levels up a notch. Um, but I thought Kilgore played pretty uh, pretty nice game. I thought Jesse Davis and Jesse James played. John James played really well on the right, right side. So, you know, an innovative staff. You know, a couple of, you know, early on the screen on third down was a bit disappointing and a couple of disappointing plays in situa- you know, situational plays sometimes still leaves you a little bit. But generally, I thought the play calling was really good, a nice mix of staff and, and excited to see what can come out of that because, you know, there were some funky formations and nice plays and things. And that's kind of what you want to receive from Adam Gaze.
2: I think the one thing that I come away from with this game on offense is the no huddle because it was the first time they returned to it since really week three against the Cleveland Browns in 2016. And they haven't played it since. We don't really know why there's been a lot of, it's been subject of a lot of speculation, but this time it returned, they used it 20 times on the game and they did have a false start Laramie Tunsil. They also had a holding penalty Laramie Tunsil Mm -hmm. Um but other than that, you know, Tannehill completed nine of eleven passes for 144 yards, um, and had 111 passer rating on out of the no huddle in this game. Uh, they ran for 5.5 yards per carry on their eight runs out of the no huddle. Overall, they were gaining uh, 9.2, and even including the penalty yardage, and and we tack it on the good and the bad because one of those no huddle plays was the 8 yard gain to Jacquem Grant uh, who drew an unsportsmanlike from Malcolm Butler on the play. Um you know, they they gained 9.2 yards per play on 20 plays out of no huddle. It was a smashing success uh return of that um that kind of play calling and that kind of tempo. And I think that the thing I look forward to as we go forward and all the games going forward that give me hope about this offense is that because this is finally what Adam Gase has wanted since he got here. For whatever reason, we don't know why they had to give it up early in 2016 and never bothered with it in 2017. But in 2018, they're
1: rolling with it, and it is a smashing success. So that brings us to the defense, and Minka Fitzpatrick, as good as advertised. Rashad Jones, even better. What say you, (laughs) Simon?
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, we we all knew Fitzpatrick was going to be a star. We talked about him from the very first moment that we started doing this podcast, and and really, we didn't. I know that you did, but generally, you know, we didn't really think that he was going to last. He was just too good. But he looked like a veteran player. It was interesting to listen to the the to Chris Carter on commentary talking about how, you know, in conversations with the coaches, how the coaches have said to him, because obviously, and if you don't know how TV works in the NFL, you, you know, you get the coaches, the 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 media, uh, the commentary team will go in and sit in with the players and with coaches and they'll kind of have a chat about different things. And it was clear that in one of those sessions that, that Adam Gates had told Chris Carter that, you know, if he wasn't a... I mean, he said if he wasn't a... um. If he wasn't a rookie, he would have been named a team captain already mm. because he's that impressive. I mean, that's a phenomenal statement on a team that has, yeah. you know, Ryan Tannehill, a Rashad Jones, a Frank Gore, a Cameron Wake, a Robert Quinn, a Josh Sitton. I mean, that to me is astonishing. He looked like he was getting people lining up. in the, You know, every time people were lining up in different places and he was rearranging people. He His open field tackling was terrific. The stop on the goal line showed athletic ability but also strength. I just thought he was... Terrific. I want to talk about it a little bit. I mean, some people were tweeting us this morning, going, "Oh, pass rush was terrible. Pass rush was terrible." I mean, come on. Let's be realistic. Let's look at what they were doing. It wasn't. It was hardly like they were taking seven-step drops and hanging around in the pocket for five minutes uh, for five seconds. Mm. You know, I thought Robert Quinn played very, very, a very good game. Um, you know, he 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 um he looked terrific rushing the passer. I thought he set the edge well. Yeah. He was very active in tracking back down the field. You know, when plays went down the field. I thought Quinn had a I thought Quinn had an excellent game. I thought generally the defensive line played well. There was one moment where uh, I think it was on the the touchdown that was called back the Derrick Henry touchdown. He, I think Harris and Baker struggled to set the edge. It was interesting also to see the amount of players that rotated in on the defensive line. Um, I think on that first drive, I think every single member of the defensive line played at least one snap. But generally, I thought they played really well. I don't didn't hear Xavier Howard's name, I don't think, mentioned him once in the telecast, mainly because he was on lockdown. I thought Bobby McCain generally played really well. He got away with one that Chris and I talked about on WhatsApp early on with a drop mm. in the in the end zone. Generally, I think he played really well. And listen, it looked like 2016 Rashad Jones. And TJ McDonald is the one concern. And I think it, the, there's a fundamentally bigger question that people continue to ask about whether or not, you know, do you get TJ out and put Rashad in and uh, put um, Minka in as free safety? The answer to that is absolutely you can do. But then what, what happens to the slot position? And given how well Minka played the slot, do you see what I mean? You yeah. kind of get the pluses and the minuses. There's clearly a plus of playing at a free safety, but then that means there's a minus in the slot. Whereas if he plays in the slot, it means it's you know it's locked down as well as anybody in the NFL. The minus and then is on the you know, and it feels like you can protect T.J. McDonald a little bit better. Maybe maybe that's just my own thinking, but I kind of feel like you can protect a T.J. a little bit better than you can project to protect a, a sort of a raw. You know, a McTire, for example, who might get picked on a lot in the slot. It's, it, it's, it's pick your poison, really. But, you know, it's a difficult one. I don't know what you think, Chris.
2: I, I think, well, first off, on the pass rush issue, the thing you have to keep in mind, this is a game plan against Marcus Mariota. Yeah. He is, you know, one of the biggest, you know, run threats at quarterback in the league. So they're not pass rushing like they're going after uh, Matt Castle last year. Okay, they're pass rushing like they're, like they're going after a guy who can break out on them and gain a whole lot of yards before you even blink an eye. Uh, So they're staying in their lanes. They're being very disciplined. The goal was not necessarily to just outright pass rush him. In fact, they blitzed him Mm. um, a lot more than you see a Miami defense under this, this approach that they've had since Vance Joseph and then Matt Burke took over. They blitzed a little bit more with Marcus Mariota in, and that was that that was containment blitz. I mean, that was yeah. that was to keep bodies around him and keep him from escaping the pocket. So I don't I don't really see that. I don't see that um as a thing. I think the Minka Fitzpatrick versus T.J. McDonald thing, it, it, to me, it's not about what you lose at slot if you have Minka replace T.J. McDonald. It's about who's going to be the fifth guy. Because what I saw on Sunday was Minka Fitzpatrick sitting on the bench for 25 plays, and I didn't like mm-hmm. that. No. So uh, so who's going to sit on the bench for 25 plays? That's that's the question to me. Is it TJ McDonald or is it Minka Fitzpatrick? I would rather it be TJ McDonald because what you can have is in base defense, Minka Fitzpatrick sit back there and play safety. And then when you go to nickel defense, somebody you need somebody to come up and take the slot. Well, there's Minka Fitzpatrick to come up and take the slot, and TJ McDonald... Can come on as the fifth defensive back and play safety now. Now, what what would you get when that? Well, do you remember that sixty-two yard run that Derrick Henry busted out on us? That got called back. In fairness, it was a holding penalty on the play side, so it might have had something to do with the play. But still, you know, how much did that look like that seventy-yard Christian McCaffrey run in preseason that we talked about for a week? Mm -hmm. And um, you know, and what it was, you know, sure it was blocked well, and a lot of people could have done their job maybe just a little bit better and, uh, and stopped that run. But ultimately, that didn't end up a 10 or 15-yard run. It ended up a 62-yard run because TJ McDonald, the last line of defense as the deep center fielder, took an atrocious angle mm-hmm. and was beaten all the way to the end zone by Derrick Henry. And so I'm looking – and that was base defense. That was base defense with three linebackers on the field. Minka was on the bench so i'm 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 wondering why is that? I don't want to put him on the bench for twenty five plays. I want him out there every single play. So that's how I'm looking at it. Now, the argument can be made, Is that too much for Minka? Is that, you know, having him play two positions, switch between one and the other? He is a rookie. It's easy to forget because he's so studious and so uh, conscientious about everything that he's doing. It's easy to forget he's a rookie. Maybe it would be too much for him. I don't know that answer. I think the coaches do. But I think this is going to be a theme. We're going to keep complaining about this every week.
3: So coaching, we have talked about the players. What do we think about the way that the coaches, because, you know, people have talked, are the coaches on the hot seat? We, we don't think they are, obviously, but for, for a myriad of reasons we won't get into. But, you know, Burke, Gaze uh, and Darren Rizzi, uh, interesting nights for or afternoons or mornings or whatever, however it turned out to be in the end. What do we think, Chris? How, how do you see the, the coaching, uh, the coaching of this game?
2: I think there was one aspect that was a positive for me, and then there was one that was a little bit of a negative.
3: And um,
2: the coaching positive for me was I was I, – and you mentioned it already, so we're we're kind of running over some things that we grazed on, which is Adam Gase and the way that he called the game, the play sheet. Uh, he really mixed things up, and this was a, a, an odd front defense coached by Dean Pease, who has a history with the 3-4 and uh, and other odd fronts. It's going to specialize in shutting down those outside runs that Kenyon Drake uh, is really special at. He, he's special at breaking to the outside. So, one way that you can hit them is up, you know, kind of up the middle where you get some more space to have zone blockers climb up to the second level. And one way you can do it is inside zone, but, you know, they're going to key on that. And they've been a really, really strong run defense, the Titans have both last year and in preseason. And against Miami, their their base defense, for example, shut us down to like one and a half yards of carry. So, uh, but here's where you get creative, you know, because we mentioned it before the game that they can go with some split zone looks. Now, Alf we and Simon, we all talked about Mike Gesicki and what he did at Penn State before coming out of the draft. They, they did a lot of split zone. That was Mike Gesicki. Uh, you know, scraping along the backside of the offensive line and and hitting some wham blocks. Uh, that's a good approach versus an odd front like uh, like this defense, like the Tennessee Titans defense. And sure enough, that's what they called. That's how they broke off a 21-yard play with Frank Gore and a 16-yard play with Kenyon Drake. And then they brought out Albert Wilson, lined him up in the backfield, and had him take uh, take handoffs. Some of the stuff out of the Mike Martz playbook that they installed for, evidently, Azahir Hakeem. Uh, we saw zone reads by Ryan Tannehill. And we saw um, you know basically the nickel package of the Titans, which was strong last year against the run, but not quite as strong as their base package. We gained 103 yards on 18 plays against them. That's 5.7 yards a carry. Uh, that was a failure for them and definitely to our benefit. So I took away a strong positive impression there. On defense, the negative impression that I had is, you know, again, I, we're, and we're going to hear this every week probably, but uh, no dime defense. And sure enough, third and long, between third and five and third and ten, I'm not talking about ultra long like 11+. plus because you don't see that that often in the NFL. But the the long side of normal for third down, we allowed four out of five conversions. And there's no dime defense out there. There's no six defensive backs. And I have to wonder about that. And so I took a little bit of a negative from that. OK, now what we want to get into is our, is our game balls. We want to hand them out. I think um, personally, I know that the candidates are going to be obvious for most anybody uh, we can name them off, and I'm sure you guys will. But the game ball I'm going to give away is the Jakeem Grant, and it's for two reasons. One is coming out of that second lightning break, Adam Gaze gave a speech to the rest of the group, and he said that the danger here is coming out flat after spending you know three-plus hours in this uh, lightning break. Um, and the team that shows the energy the team that has players that show energy and show up and make big plays, they're the ones that are going to win. And who answered that bell, but who else answered that bell really than the Dolphins' own Energizer Bunny, the guy that Alf you saw mm-hmm. in practice goes 100 miles per hour every single day of practice, every single minute. you know? And that was Jakeem Grant. He answered the bell. I thought that that 102-yard kickoff return touchdown was the key pivotal moment in the game. Because coming out of the lightning break, the second lightning break, the Titans had gone all the way down the field and scored a touchdown and tied it up 10-10. And it looked like they might even have the momentum. And the very next play, Jakeem Grant took it right out of them. And that, I thought, was a a pivotal moment in the game. It was the key moment in the game. I thought other players fed off of it, and it reignited the team. And uh, so I want to give a game ball to him. And the other thing is, listen. He was only out there to run 12 routes in the game, and yet he he almost I mean if it weren't for that 75 yard bomb to Kenny Stills he was going to be the leading wide receiver of the game. Uh, he he produced five catches for 38 uh, yards and seven targets. Seven targets on only 12 routes run. That percentage is insane. That's for like Julio Jones. That's for uh, for Antonio Brown, Michael Thomas. You know guys like that. Uh, Deshaun Jackson. Um, he produces whenever he's on the field, and they need, to, they need to figure this out because the stakes are high here. He could produce a lot if they start playing him a lot more. And so I have to give it to him. He produced 38 yards on his own, the 15-yard penalty on top of it, only 12 routes. I mean, come on, this guy is incredible. You need to figure this out.
3: For me, I think there were better players in the game than this man, but uh, Ryan Tannehill. You know, all that time out to come back in. uh, I mean, they probably would have given him a game ball for the smile before his very first snap, frankly. But, you know, it just looked like he hadn't been away. The arm was there. The leadership was there. Some of the throws were there. We have talked about the mistakes. But generally, I, I don't think you could have asked for much more. Plus, he got the win. You know, then that's all you ask for. We look—we just look like a, we're just a better team when he's around. So, you know, for the 600 or so odd days that it's been since he last played, welcome back. Thank you for the win. Now let's see if we can build on it. So he would get my game ball.
1: And I got three game balls. And my three game balls go to Rashad Jones. He delivered once again. I think he's our best player. And he keeps showing time and time again that he's a big game player. He will make plays that will actually lead to wins, this is one of them. Those two interceptions, spectacular. Uh, My next game ball, Frank Gore. 61 yards on nine carries. If he's going to be that, and all three of us love Kenyon Drake, if he's going to be that, another player on offense that we can rely on to give us plus yardage because the the fear was that Gore was going to get played and he was going to give us 3.5 yards per carry and and all his snaps were going to be a complete waste. His snaps on this game? We're not a waste. So he gets the second game ball. And the last game ball to Kiko Alonso, six tackles, the big interception. I thought he played very, very well. No complaints whatsoever on Kiko Alonso.
2: If we're going to give multiple game balls out, then I just want to give a shout out to Kenny Stills. Two touchdowns, that huge 75-yarder. I mean, I don't – Did, did anybody care what he was doing during the anthem when he was catching those balls and touchdowns?
3: I, I cared. I cared that he continued to do something he believed. <laughs> more power to Kenny Stills for the two touchdowns and the knee. So, yes, good yeah, call. Absolutely. To, me, absolutely. to
1: me, Kenny Stills is like wallpaper. He is reliable. He is one of the most reliable yeah. players on the team. I never worry about Kenny Stills. And Antonio
3: Brown. Antonio Brown is the only player in the NFL with more 20-plus-yard touchdowns over... A the last three five years something like that. I read a stat this afternoon. Well, the, the last two years?
1: Was the uh, last two years? They yeah. were tied going into this game with twelve touchdowns in the last two years of over, I believe, twenty yards. And now Kenny Still's is all alone in that
2: category. He just and, yeah, delivers. and with you know who gone, uh, he's going to get more balls. He's going to get more opportunities, and this could be a really exciting year for him.
1: Yes. Definitely. Yes. And that that just goes to show you, I didn't give him a game ball, and I took him for granted because he he is that good. He is that reliable. You know, you never worry about Kenny Stills. Well, that's it, guys. We will talk to you again on Thursday where we will preview the New York Jets. It's Jets week, guys. See you then.
0: Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.